0: Good morning, EVC. Welcome on this holiday weekend. So good to see you guys. Go ahead and get your Bibles, okay? Turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes found in your Old Testament. While you're turning there, one other thing I want to ask you to do, Pastor Randy already mentioned this, is uh, you should have found in your bulletin this little card that indicates which service you think you're likely to attend. If you could just go ahead and, and fill that out. Take a moment while I'm preaching this morning to let us know it's important for our staff to be able to plan, uh, and we hope that maybe you would be encouraged and, and even serve in another service. We, we're talking about worshiping one and serving in one, and so if you can't, it's, it's still go ahead and fill that card out for us and maybe you can only attend worship. That's okay. Uh, Don't let that keep you from letting us know which service you plan on attending. You're not signing a contract. If you need to switch services, it's okay. We just want you to come to church. We're just trying to prepare. We want to be prepared. And I know we're on a holiday weekend. We may be thinking, why are we doing three services? We're trusting, believing, knowing that as we continue to reach out in our community, we're going to fill up three services, right? Amen. As you partner with us in reaching out with the gospel to people within our community. So go ahead and let us know about that. I want to just continue. I just felt led in the first service. I want to feel led. I feel led again in this service just to pause in prayer, prepare our hearts for what God is going to speak to us about today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, I thank you for the powerful time of worship that we are experiencing in your presence this morning. Lord, it is evident that you are here among your people. And Lord, you are touching lives, you're touching hearts. I want to pray specifically this morning that, Lord, our hearts would just be still before You and receive Your Word today. Lord, there's not anything that I can say, Lord, that comes from man that can bring change and can bring transformation in people's lives. Lord, my words, Father, my words of myself are not any good, Lord. They are empty. Lord, but Your words are power. Your words, Lord, are the words that change lives, Lord, for eternity. Father, there are people who are here this morning that they are tired. They are weary, Lord. Many are run down from things that are going on in their lives. What I want to pray, Lord, is that Your Holy Spirit would refresh their spirit this morning. Or just like when we stepped outside this morning and it felt a little cooler and we were refreshed physically, Lord, we need a refreshing from Your Spirit. Lord, there are some here that they are feeling hopeless and they need hope from You, God. They're facing challenges. They're facing maybe opportunities before them. They're not sure which path to go on. Lord, may Your wisdom just be revealed to them. And Lord, when You reveal Your wisdom to them, when they ask and You show them, may may they and may we have the courage to follow through, Lord, on what You're showing us to do. Lord, there are some that I know in some ways, Father, that perhaps they've been running from God. They've been running from You, Lord. They've been running from from You in some way and living in some form of disobedience to You. What I pray for this morning, God, as we find true in Your Word, is that Your kindness would be revealed to them because, Lord, Your Word tells us it's Your kindness that leads us to repentance. I praise You for that today. You're so kind and long-suffering with us. Lord, I, I know there are some that they don't know what to think about life right now. and They don't know what to think about You. I pray that You would meet Each of us here, specifically where we are along our journey, we very humbly ask you to fill this place, to fill our lives, to gather us today and till the soil of our hearts so that we are ready to receive your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Okay, so we're in the book of Ecclesiastes. We're in this series called Meaningful. When life feels empty, so we're on this journey through this book with Solomon. He's recording, recording his thoughts. And this book, I love this book because it's so transparent. It's so authentic. It's like what what Jason was saying about our church, which is why I think it resonates with us. Is we want to be real here. We're not perfect. We don't have it all together. And 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 Solomon raises questions that maybe we've all thought and maybe we've wanted to verbalize, and maybe we're struggling with the same kinds of things that he's struggling with. And, and what I love about this book in the Bible is that it's raw, it's real, it touches us right where, we're, where we are struggling. And, and so I'm so excited about going through this book. And Solomon had been blessed by God, as we learned last week. He'd been blessed by God with all of this wisdom. God comes to him, and we read about this, and he says, What would you like for me to bless you with, and, and if you could have anything? And Solomon, very selflessly at this point in his life, says, God, I just want to be wise. I want to know how to lead and govern this great people that you've entrusted into my care. And God says, I'm not only going to bless you with wisdom, I am going to bless you in an incredible way with so many other things that that you didn't even ask for. And so we see that he he is a blessed, very blessed man. But somewhere along the way, as he has all of these things that God has entrusted into his care, he gets off track. This man gets off track. He starts compromising in little ways. And little ways lead to big consequences. And before you know it, he's worshiping other gods. We're going, what has happened to this man? He has all of this stuff that God has given him. And he starts pursuing everything else except for God. He's pursuing meaning in life uh, in every possible way. And he finds himself in the latter part of his life, the twilight of his life, saying, man, I blew it. I blew it, I chased after after everything else under the sun, he talks about, and what I'm finding is all of that stuff that I chased after, uh, apart from God, under the sun, apart from God, it's all pointless. It's all meaningless. It's, it's brought me to this place of emptiness in my life. And what you find in this honesty is almost this, this report from Solomon that comes across, could come across cynical. It could come across bitter in some ways. It certainly comes across as a man who is still searching. A man who has said, I've been on this journey, I've been searching, and I've not found what I'm looking for. He talks about under the sun. We said that this is a phrase that's used 29 times in this short book. Under the sun, it's a life lived apart from God. It's life on the earth, uh, the reality of life on the earth uh, without God being involved in the midst of this. And this is what we find. This is the angle and perspective that Solomon is coming from. And if you don't get that, you start reading this book, it can send you into a tailspin of depression. Because you start thinking that this is what he's what he's concluded and this is the conclusion in life. But Jesus comes along and says, no, that is not what is going to bring you meaning in life. I have come to make your life full. What we know about Solomon is he hits all the high points uh, of things that people chase after. He talks about this. He finds, tries to find meaning in his life through wealth and the pursuit of materialism and monetary gain. He talks about finding meaning through pleasure and parties and excess and relationships with women. We learn that he had over 700 wives and he had 300 mistresses. He tries to find meaning through knowledge and, and, and all of this building projects. One project right after another. He's wearing people out all around him. And what's interesting about this, when I look in God's Scripture, and as I was preparing uh, through the summer and getting ready for this series, what's interesting is that 3,000 years later, we find that people have not changed very much. We've changed in our forms that we might pursue, but the main th- themes are still there that we chase after this stuff, looking for purpose in our lives. So many of us are still searching for our meaning through the same things that Solomon went after. And what Solomon is saying, this is a a recording, and basically this is a book of repentance. He's saying these things to you and to me. Some 3,000 years later, he's saying, look, I have been there. I've done that. I have the t-shirt to prove it. I've, I've been on this journey apart from God. Trust me, it is empty. And what he's saying is, go back to God. Some of you, you need to hear that this morning. Go back to God. You're trying to find your fulfillment in other places. And, and Solomon's saying, look, man, I've been there. Listen to me. It's empty. Go back to God. Some of you, maybe you've never come to God in the beginning, but you've been trying to find your life and all of these other things. And Solomon's saying, I've been down that road. He's saying, go to God. I'm in the twilight of my life, and I'm telling you, apart from Him under the sun, there's nothing here. It's pointless. Some of you were like this, and I expected this last week. You were like, dude, that was some rough stuff you were bringing last week. That, I mean, that's depressing, Bart. It, it, it really... But here is the deal. It is depressing apart from Jesus. It just flat out is. I cannot water this down for you. I have to bring this to you, and it's truth. And that's what Solomon does. He says, it is depressing apart from God. There is nothing that that is worthwhile apart from him. And some of you are like, man, thanks for cheering me up, Pastor Bart. Thanks a lot, man. I went into this week and I was just kind of down about this. But, But Solomon certainly can be depressing if you do not understand where this man is coming from. And he's trying to keep you from going to the place that he's been. He's trying to prevent that from happening. It is a book of repentance. What so many of us, we, re- we really need in our lives, we hate to admit it is, is that we really need someone just to shoot straight with us. Just to tell us like it is. Just to speak some truth into our lives. No pandering. No watering it down. And this is exactly what Solomon is doing in this book. He's just shooting straight. And what it is, what it brings us to is a painful process that we do not like to go through. It's a process of assessment in our life. It hurts. We look at some of this and we think, now some of us will just try to numb it down and we won't look at reality and we'll just kind of continue on our pursuits. But it brings us to a place of saying, man, where am I really in my life? Am I pursuing these things? Am I pursuing God? I still kind of feel empty. I don't get this. It's it's a painful process of assessment. There's an old adage that uh, many of you have heard before, is that sometimes you really need to hit rock bottom in your life before you even start looking up to God. And this is what it takes for so many of us. And what Solomon is doing is he's taking you to where his rock bottom had been, where where it was at, that he was at this place of of really laying on his back. He had nowhere else to go and he's looking up and he's saying, God, I missed it most of my life. I missed it and, and I'm, I'm coming back to you. So, so here's what he's saying. I've lived it. Listen to me. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter two. We're in chapter two now and I'm reading from the NIV this morning. And, uh, this is a powerful passage of scripture. He's going to hit some high points. Here's, here's what he says. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be, what's the word he uses? It proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine, all right? I'm I'm just going to get drunk and and then I won't even think about this. Or I tried embracing folly and my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. So he gets this idea that our lives really are short that our lives really they really are a vapor so to speak so here's what he did he this is how he manifested trying to find out th- this meaning in life and purpose in life he said i did these things here's what i did in verse 4 i undertook great projects now he's a king he didn't have to do anything but he was trying to find it through this i undertook great projects i built houses for myself and planted vineyards I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to to water groves of flourishing trees. So he tried to find it maybe through some hobbies and things. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. He said, I had so many slaves, my slaves were having slaves. I mean, that's what he's saying here, essentially. I had all of this going on. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I was the president of the FFA, okay? This is what I, I had it all. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers. I brought in my own bands. The rock bands belonged to me. You know, I had them playing for me all of the time. And a harem as well. The delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart, no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, say it with me, church, what does he say? He said, I've surveyed it all. What does he say? Everything was what is... It's meaningless. It's a big nothing. It did not accomplish it. It didn't do it. A chasing after the wind... We know we can never catch that. Nothing was gained. There was no profit in this. Nothing was gained under the sun. Now, when you read through this narrative that Solomon has here, he's hitting all these high points of what people chase after in search for meaning. It's like this scattergun approach that he's using here. He said, I'm just going to tell you, I've done everything you can think of to try to bring myself this purpose in my life. And he's saying there was no profit in it. It was meaningless. He says, I dove into pleasure head first, seeing if pleasure could be the thing that will bring me happiness in life. I b- decided to live the party lifestyle. He says, you know, I'm going to live this kind of way and, and, and just experience everything I can experience. But that didn't do it for me. He said, then I, I thought I'll take on all of these great projects. And, and what he's talking about here is this search for meaning uh, through our own uh, accomplishments or accolades that we would have in our life. And he's saying, you know, I, I tried to, to be successful. In the eyes of my peers, I wanted other kings to look upon what I was doing and take note of this great king and all of the projects that he's accomplished. And, and you'll remember from last week, we, we need to remember who he had been growing up in the shadow of. It was King David. And King David had accomplished all of these great things. And and he says this. This is so important. He says in verse 2, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. Who do you think he's talking about? I've finally surpassed my father. This thing I've been driving at. I've finally surpassed it. And it's still empty. I thought once I got past that, that would be it. And I would be feeling great, but, but you know, about things I've passed him up. And he was a great man, and I've surpassed him, and I'm still empty. He starts talking about all of his slaves, his search for meaning and power. He starts talking about a harem that he has, all of these women from all over the world. He would bring women in from all over the world. And God said, do not do that, because they're going to bring their idols and their gods, and it's going to compromise you. And he, he said, no, I'll be okay, I won't compromise. But we know that he compromised. He had everything a man's heart could ever have wanted when it came to sensuality and hedonism and sexuality. He starts talking about all of this. He says, it left me empty. Then he starts talking about amassing far more treasure, more money than anyone had ever had. He was like the Bill Gates of of our time, more money than we could even think of. He had all of this more than any king who had ever come before him. He tried to find his sense of accomplishment through materialism through monetary gain by the time you're done with this passage and you're reading through chapter two, it's like, man, is there anything that he's missed here? I don't know. I mean, it's like he he hit everything. And there is this this unifying principle that we find in all of his pursuits. There's there's really some interesting things that he says a few times. Notice it just seems like he's living this crazy kind of lifestyle. But he says, so you don't think I was a complete idiot. My wisdom never left me. Did you hear him say that? He says, my wisdom never really left me. I was still, but my wisdom was there. But remember, we said last week, wisdom's not enough. You need the conviction to follow through upon what you know is the right thing to do. And you need the courage to do this. He, he says in verse 10, in fact, I want, I want you to just read this with me out loud. Say it with me. He says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. He says, my, 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 I, I just refused myself nothing here. And I think he's hitting on this underlying theme that goes with every single one of these themes that he's talking about. It wasn't just about pleasure. It wasn't just about power or success or accomplishment. It wasn't just about the money. The driving thing for Solomon is this. If you're taking notes, this is a key thought for you today. The driving theme for Solomon was he was trying to find his meaning in the more. If I could just get more. More of whatever. It didn't matter what it was. More of whatever. Remember, God had blessed him in some incredible ways. Solomon, in in some ways, became kind of the, the ultimate... Hoarder. Okay? Now, that's a popular show that's kind of on right now. Anybody watch that show? Okay? Y'all are the sick ones. Okay? You're watching that? My wife likes to watch that, and I think she's kind of sick. And I know there's some mental illness that goes not with watching it, okay? But but with what's happening there. But there's this mentality of getting more, hoarding it all to oneself. I have to have all of this. Solomon, in many ways, becomes this this ultimate hoarder. He brings everything in, everything God gives them, rather than turning it out and using it as he initially prayed, uh, God, I just want to be wise and use it for this great people. He turns everything in on himself, and it was all for him. Every bit of it was for himself. He's the ultimate hoarder. Have you ever thought to yourself, you know, I I know what I've got going on right now is okay, but it's never really fulfilled me. I'm pretty sure that if I had just a little bit more, uh, maybe success, I'll finally be happy. Or or maybe if I finally would get to this certain level in my job as I'm climbing the corporate ladder, that will finally fulfill me. Or, you know, if I could just have a little more money, I, I like my income right now, it's good, I'm thankful, but I know that more would be better, so I'm going to drive for this, I'd be happy. And this is fascinating. Human nature is so funny like this. What is it inside of us that thinks that the very things that are not bringing us meaning and fulfillment right now, that just having some more of that will actually do it for us? But that's how we are. All right, let me ask you a question this morning, a little group participation. How many of you, you'd say, and it's getting close to lunchtime, you would say, I I like me some potato chips. I like potato chips. Raise your hands this morning. The ones who are not raising them, you are lying, okay? Because that is some heavenly goodness manna from above, okay? Do you guys remember that old potato chip commercial that said, you remember this, you can't have just one, okay? I am a living testimony to the truth, Of that greatness right there. I have never had one chip in my life. I am the personification of this, okay? The evidence is clear before you. There's no hiding it. Let me ask you this. Do we have any one-chip people in here this morning? Raise your skinny little hands this morning so that we multi-chip people can despise you today I think you're lying, okay? You didn't have just one. But here's the thing. This, this is just greatness. This was genius when they came up with this because they, they hit on something that they know that is true about human nature. It's true about our culture, okay? It's not about the chips. Everything for us in our culture is, I've got to have more. I have to have more for my money. I have to get more. All right. When I was growing up, we had the gulp. Okay. That was it. It was just the gulp. (laughs) Remember that? You remember the gulp? It's like, that's a pretty good sized drink. Okay. I remember in the latter part of my teenage years, I was working for a furniture company, moving, and then there was this greatness that came about. The super big gulp, okay? All right, you had that. Next comes along later in my college years. What do you have? The double gulp. The double gulp. Now we have the trash can gulp. We have the swim in the gulp, whatever it is. It's like, you are carrying our drink around like this. It's my drink, you know? i got a 49 cents. It's awesome, okay? It's hot out. But we're carrying it around. We're sweating carrying our drinks. It's so big, but, but the, it, it, it appeals to us, right? We're like, more. That's great. Give me more. I need more of anything. More of anything. We are a culture of more, a culture of consumption, a culture of materialism. And I would say it's not just, just only our culture here. It's worldwide. It's human nature. We want more. It's never enough. Think, I mean, it goes all the way back into the Garden of Eden. Think, God had blessed Adam and Eve; had given them everything. He said, "Just said, just you can't have this. We want more, more. Got to have that fruit. I want the super big gulp fruit. Okay, something like that. I've got to have more." Um, this summer, I was watching this uh, couple of documentaries that that sound incredibly boring, but it was kind of fascinating. It was it was some stuff that was on the Middle Ages. And I remember my son even being like, what are you watching? You know, this is boring. And it was kind of interesting. But it was some stuff on the British monarchy and throughout history coming up through the... And, and they kept using this word of what people would have died from. It was the consumption. They They got the consumption or whatever it was. This queen had the consumption or... This king was, was, you know, just totally uh, consumed with the consumption. I don't know. But he had, he had this, and I was like, what is that? What, what are they talking about? Well, I, I come to find out. I did a little, little search and found out what this is. This is actually what we call today tuberculosis. And they would catch this. It was highly contagious. And the consul- they called it the consumption because it literally would just, it, it eats a person from the inside out gets in the lungs. And these people would start coughing up blood. They, it was kind of a slower drawn out process. It doesn't kill you immediately. They would start losing a lot of weight. They would look sick. And, and, uh, and this is kind of, and so they called it the consumption. It's a killer. And it's almost like Solomon in so many ways. And so many of us in our culture today, we live with this spiritual disease of the spiritual consumption, you know, we're, we're just kind of being eaten from the inside out. Our hearts are, are being consumed by something else. We're driven by something else. We live with the spiritual form of this. We're being consumed by an obsession for more. Think about this unquenchable thirst for more. I, I know this. I've seen this firsthand as a pastor. I've watched it in my own family, you know, around me. This this. this, this This unquenchable thirst for more is the very thing that ruins a lot of families. It's the thing that affects a lot of marriages. Uh, I mean, it's destroyed so many different things. This appetite, this unquenchable appetite for more. We saw it with Solomon, but we also see it's still very prevalent today. It's not just with material possession. If we think it's only money, we're wrong. There's a deeper root. I started thinking about just some, some real contemporary examples of, of where we've seen this play itself out before our very eyes. I started thinking of some of the popular stories that have hit our news in the last couple of years. And I'm not trying to pick on any one of these individuals. It's, it's out in the public. You know about it, so we might as well have a teaching moment from it, okay? Here, I think about uh, what was it, this drive for more. I think about Tiger Woods, okay? And, and this isn't to, to just to, to bash on him. We should pray for him, but we should learn from his example. You already know about what happened there anyway, so I'm not bringing up anything new here. This isn't to cast judgment. It's just a prolific example of this. I mean, we think about this. This guy literally was the king of the golfing world, right? Number one in golf. I mean, they, they were, he's going to surpass. They were saying he's going to surpass the greats, surpass Nicholas, all these others. He's he's on this trajectory for greatness in this sense. He has fame. He has all the money that you could ever want. Um, he has all of these endorsements. He has people coming to him, begging, just be an, an, uh, someone who endorses this for us. We'll give you millions for this. I mean, he had everything that a man could want. And then he goes, and he and he marries a European supermodel. He's married to a European supermodel, and we know what happened there, and and, and know that, that there was uh, infidelities, and know that it, it is it has wrecked his family, and wrecked his marriage, and and his life, and now his golf game stinks, and and, and I mean it's wrecked everything, right? We've watched it happen, and and, it, and it's a sad thing to see that happen. But I remember when this went down, I remember having conversations with guys, I remember talking about this, and, and people scratching their head like, why would this guy ever cheat on his wife? He's married to a European supermodel. I mean, really? Really? Why in the world would Jesse James ever be unfaithful to, to Sandra Book? She's, she's a beautiful woman. Not anywhere near my wife, but she's pretty, okay? And 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 uh, why? I mean, she's the sweetheart of America, you know? Have, you've seen her movies, and, and, and she just seems like this sweet person. I don't know her personally, but seems really sweet. What in the world? What is this? And so that we don't, in an unfair kind of way, say, well, that's just people that don't know the Lord. That's bull. Because I've seen it happen all of the time within churches. I've seen ministers that have fallen prey to this, and and uh, and, and we we need to, the Bible says that you who think you stand take heed lest you fall. So so I've I've watched this happen. I've worked on a staff where this happened, and where, where a, a pastor had a seemingly everything that he could have wanted a great powerful ministry that was changing people's lives, a beautiful wife, wonderful family. It, it happens all the time. We see it and we scratch our heads and we go, what happened there? Well, maybe it was just about sex or adultery or I I want to tell you it's deeper than that It is not about that It's it's not about that and and we often think it's this disease of adultery and and or it's just It's about sex or it's about lust, but it's not about that. You know what it's about. It is about more More it's a greed of our hearts and it creeps in. It's not about hedonism in this sense. Maybe this is such... A central issue. This is the central issue in our, our culture. It's not how much money you can have or how big your house can be or how much fame or power or even how much food you can have. There's a deeper issue that's going on. It is the spiritual consumption. It's not and and, and adultery and and cheating and, and uh maybe stealing and all these things. Do you know what that is? All that is, those are just symptoms and the external manifest manifestation of what's really happening in a man's heart is that he just wants more he's not content so when is enough really enough and that's what this book of Ecclesiastes is about what Solomon I think he's doing is he's taking us there to show us when enough is really enough he says you you know that it's it's never enough how do you know when enough is, is enough it's never enough when you just still you want more more i just gotta have more you know that actually you've caught this spiritual consumption so to speak whenever you're living with that discontentment constantly it's in we we see it happen in marriages well i'll just i'll just get another wife i'll get another husband or or i'll just uh, you know I'll, i'll get another job or i'll get this or that and you know, And I'm not saying that sometimes things don't happen. I know things happen, but, but there's something that often happens. We want one more experience, one more dollar, one more promotion, one more accolade, one more relationship. I'll finally be happy when I get past this one line. And then we get past the line and we're looking back and we're going, I don't feel any different. Maybe life's a little easier in some ways, but I still feel empty. Solomon is addressing this. How do you know when you're struggling with this problem of consumption or this problem of of greed that we all deal with? How do you know? I I just want to just challenge you to really just say, God, show me if I'm struggling with this this morning. Let's do business with God. Let's repent if we're struggling with this before God. How do you know? Here's another key thought for you this morning. You know when everything around you, it all becomes about you. It's all about you. What's in it for me? What, what, what good do I get out of this? You're, you know you're driven by greed. You know you're driven by consumption when all you can do is think about yourself. Have you ever been around somebody and all they do is talk about themselves and you notice it and you're just like, golly. We say, that guy is full of... Now, don't say... <laughs> we know what you want to say, okay? He's full of what? Himself. Now, you say he's full of something else too. I know, okay? But we're in church. And... Uh, He's full of himself. Solomon is full of himself. How do you know? Go back with me to Ecclesiastes 2. I want you to look at this. Look at how many times he says, I, me, myself. Look at this. It's amazing. And I'm not going to read every single verse. I'll just kind of hit the high points here. He says, I said to myself, self, self. This is what he says. He's having this come Come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. Verse 3. I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. I, I undertook great projects. I built houses. What does he say? For myself. I did all of this for me. I planted vineyards for myself. I had this hobby. I was trying to find meaning through this. I, 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 I made gardens and parks. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. Just kind of going along with the theme. Who do you think that was for? Himself. I did all of this for me. I bought male and and, and female slaves and had other slaves that were born in my house. I also, I own more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. He's the center of everything. This is interesting. Verse 8. I amassed silver and gold for myself. It's all about me and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers. I acquired a harem for me. He, it, this was all about indulging everything in his own heart. He even says it in verse 10. If you'll go to verse 10, he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. And he had this kind of power to be able to just go get whatever he wanted. If he saw it, I'll take it. Just take it. It's for me. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my. And he says, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained. There was no profit. It was all about me, but I'm still empty. Man, that's powerful. <laughs> I hope you take that today. I hope you, you, you think about that today. I hope you assess today. if there, You know, assess your own life. You're saying, I had it all, and I, I, I'm just miserable. I'm empty. We were amazed. I know last week I was amazed in studying this, how when God came to Solomon and he asked him, anything you want, I'll give it to you. I was amazed at his selflessness at this point because he didn't ask for anything else. He just said, just give me wisdom so I can be a blessing to others. I want to be blessed so I can bless others. Wow. That was powerful. And God said, that's the key. You get it, I'm going to bless you far beyond you can even dream of. Now somewhere along the way, he got off track, he compromised with big consequence, and he became the ultimate hoarder. He turned the blessing inward. Do you see that? The blessing was given to be a blessing to others, but he turned it now for his own pleasure. He turned it inward for himself to feed his own appetites. You know, as I was thinking about all of this this week, I was thinking this has got to be the main reason that Jesus talks so much about service. Jesus talked about dying to self. And where Solomon said, I denied myself nothing, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. Are you with me? You see the contrast Jesus brings about, and we'll read this passage where you see Jesus brings this contrast to Solomon's way of living. It's so interesting to me over the years as I've been a pastor here and even elsewhere when people maybe get caught up in themselves and we can get, and we all can, we get caught up maybe in self-pity and we're, we're caught up in our own little world and we, get, we just get discouraged and depressed and that starts happening for us. Uh, or maybe we get to a place of self-worship where all we're doing is thinking about ourselves. I'll have a person that will come Come to me or we'll come to our staff and we'll, we'll try to say, you know what we know is an antidote for you right now? If you'll start serving someone else, you'll start feeling better. And then we hear that and I, and I hear that and naturally it does not make sense. Naturally we just say, man, forget that. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense in the natural realm. But in the supernatural, spiritual realm, Jesus is showing us that when you begin to do this, your life begins to have meaning. You start feeling better when you're serving other people, when, when life is not just all about you and what you can get. It's so important for us to, to serve others. Jesus comes, He says, I've come to, to serve, not to be served. I'm the a, a exact opposite of everything Solomon was. I did the exact opposite of this, and yet I came to bring you life. We would think all the things Solomon had would have brought him life, but they left him empty and meaningless. Instead of building um, houses maybe only for ourselves, and this isn't a message that says you shouldn't have a good house. You, it's okay to have a good house to live in, okay? It's okay to have nice clothes. It's okay to have a nice car. It's okay. This, this is not a message that's saying you need to turn into a monk, okay? That's not what we're saying. What we're saying in what God is saying is don't worship this stuff. Realize that you're the manager over the stuff. The stuff should not manage you. This is what it's saying here. Based on my experience, what I find in the Scripture, the only thing that will free us from our consumption problem is serving and giving. Giving of ourselves. That's your third key thought. The only cure is to serve. It's to serve somebody. Serve someone this week. Give to someone this week. No strings attached. It's the cure for spiritual consumption. It keeps us on the right path. We, we, we live with the kind of mindset, that it's not, this is more than just about me. There's a bigger thing happening here. And I am an ambassador of Jesus. And I get to serve. I know without a doubt, and Solomon is, is, is your life witness to this today, That if you spend your whole life with the drive of simply getting more and more and more for you, you'll find yourself being less and less satisfied in life. You'll find yourself, like we tragically see so many others in our contemporary society, ending up, and it's a big nothing. This is what he's pointing out. This, is, this has got to be this explanation for our generation, the, the most wealthy generation in the history of the world. We're the most wealthy nation, and yet there is an overriding depression that this country deals with. It is an epidemic thing that is happening. We are consumed. We're drowning in ourselves. We're drowning in our greed. So here's your transition, okay? I'm going to let Jesus kind of close this out for us today. Solomon has said, I've done all of this. It's a big nothing. If we stopped right there, blah, you know, Debbie Downer, okay? But but when we get here to, to Luke chapter 12, you can turn there with me. You're going to see that that there's this argument that that kind of comes up and Jesus is in the middle of it. And there are two people that they lost. Obviously they lost a parent and now they're fighting over some money and they're coming to Jesus saying, you can settle this for me. And look at what he says. He says in verse 13 of chapter 12 in Luke, he says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Very likely it was the younger sibling because in this culture, the older sibling pretty much was entitled to most of it. And he's saying, that's not fair. Tell him to divide it, this inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me judge, a judge or arbiter between you two? Okay, then he said to them, this is, this is interesting because there are people around him. He says this, watch out. Watch out. It's strong language he uses here. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Read the next thing with me up on the screen. What does it say? Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. He says this. Watch out. Watch out for this. Why why does he say it like this? Why does he say watch out like this? I think he says it like this because this greed sneaks into our lives. It's sneaky. It's sneaky. We start acting greedy before we even realize it, and then we're like, we're consumed with it. And Jesus is saying, you have to watch out. Be on guard. Be alert, because it's trying to creep into your life. It's trying to ruin things. It ruins things. And he goes on, and Jesus, being the great communicator, gives an incredible example. And I want you to notice the contrast that Jesus uses here. He's going to bring some parallel, actually some parallel here in this parable. uh, Really kind of like, sounds like a little bit like Solomon here. He goes on, he says, and he told them this parable in verse 16. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Who brings the harvest? God does, right? He had done some work. God blessed his work. God was blessing him in this way. Now look at what he says in verse 17. He thought to himself, just like Solomon, Self, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I have so much. I don't even have big enough barns to store these. I don't have a big enough place to do this. This is all for me. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. Hey, here's a thought for you. Maybe you could give some of that away. But he said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to store it all. I'm going to be this hoarder. I'm going to store it all for myself, my surplus grain. I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. It's all for me. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Do you see the similarities of I and myself, just like Solomon here? And, 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 and here's what God says to him. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. In other words, you may think you're in control. You're not in control. Your very life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared all for yourself? By the way, if you keep reading in Ecclesiastes 2, you'll see that this is one of Solomon's big beefs here. He's like, I do not like that I, I accumulate all of this stuff. I'm moral. I'm going to die. And then someone else gets it all. He didn't like that. He says, God, that's not fair. Although everything he had initially had been given to him because he was entitled because of his father. But this is one of his problems. He has a problem with this, and and, and God is saying, yeah, that's kind of how it is. You're not taking it with you. It's not going with you. He goes on in verse 21. He says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves. You become this spiritual hoarder for yourself, but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not... Worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Jesus brings this idea of worry and anxiety up. Because I'm going to tell you, one of the main things that keeps us from being generous is we are worried we want to, know how to not have enough for ourselves. So we worry and we get anxious. And, and, and rather than being generous, we kind of turn this inward on ourselves. And then he goes on, and used some interesting parallels again with Solomon. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Then he goes on in verse 27, says, "...consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon..." Here it is. "...in all his splendor was dressed like one of these..." If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will He clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. He's saying this is what paganism is. It's running after these things. This is what the world does. And the world doesn't know any better. It's in our nature to do this. But he's saying don't run like the world runs here. You're acting like a pagan when you do this who chases after only the, the things of this world. It's, it's a self-worship. It's an idolatry. It's stuff worship here. He says, your Father knows that you need them. Now, Jesus is not setting up this tension between materialism and monasticism here. He's not saying, you have to go be a monk. You can't. He says, your Father knows what you need. He knows what your needs are. What He's saying here is, don't put your faith in your stuff. Don't put your faith in your stuff. Because, he goes on and says, moth and rust and thieves break in and steal. It's temporary. There needs to be something deeper in your life than just stuff. Now, he's going to give you the key. Here it is. The key is this. Verse 31. Solomon started out this way, but he got off track. Maybe you started out this way and you've gotten off track. Listen to Solomon today. Listen to Jesus. But seek his kingdom. Some translation says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. We saw that acted out in, with Solomon. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's what he said. I just want to be a blessing to other people, God. I want to seek your kingdom. God said, well, I'm going to bless you in other ways too. Seek the kingdom, and, and, and these things will be given to you as well. He goes on and says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. God takes pleasure in blessing us. But could it be that God blesses us so that we might be a blessing to others and give? He gives us this key here. The test here that that Jesus gives us is straight to the point. And here's what I want to ask you this morning. Are you running and chasing and pursuing the more with the hope that that is going to bring you fulfillment and meaning in life? If so, you are on, you're destined to a pathway of emptiness. Solomon has told you this. Jesus is telling you this. It's not wrong to have things. It's not wrong to have possessions. It's wrong for those things to possess us and control us. What if we started seeing that which was brought in our life as a gift from God with a stewardship to serve the rest of the world? Here's an interesting thought for you today as we kind of wrap this up. Okay, and we'll have a quick video here in just a minute. Just a quick video. An interesting thought for you today. Is it possible that God has given you the capacity to create more, to create more wealth, to be blessed more? Is it possible that God has given you the ability to have more, to be blessed with more, not to be spent purely on your own consumption of self and self-gratification, but God has blessed you in that way so that you might be generous. And give more to those who are in need around you. You're His ambassador. You're His representative. It's to come through you to be a channel. You're the channel to be able to bless other people around you. Do you possess and manage your things? Or do your things possess and do they manage you? Here's how this is going to play out for us this week at EBC. Because it does not get any more practical than this. We were talking in our staff meeting this past week about what are some ways that we could practically challenge this body of Christ to live this out. To take something today you've heard and not just be a hearer of the word, but this week go and do this. You put it into practice. We said, what if, what if we challenged the body that we, that we have here? What if we challenged them to just kind of go through our, our homes to go through our homes more more specifically to go through our closets and and things that you know and we just simplify and we bag up things that that have been hanging there for years you got to give up the dream of ever getting back in those parachute pants it's not happening okay i'm giving the dream up about that all right you got to give it up, and but but what if we what if we went through and and we take the bad stuff and we just throw that away because you don't want to give someone who's in in you know less fortunate fortunate than you your junk. What if what if you what if we just take the bad stuff and you chunk that, but you, you bag up some things that have been hanging there for a long time, extra coats, extra pairs of pants, extra shoes that maybe you've not even worn in several years, and and you said you know what I, I've been almost like this hoarder. I've been hoarding all this stuff. I've been living the dream that I'll get in that someday. And maybe I want. not well, If you do lose weight, go buy something new for yourself. You know, what if you started thinking about being generous in this way? So here's what we're going to do. We have two, uh, two groups of folks that we're partnering with. We're going to bring our stuff. I want to challenge you to go home this week and go through your closets. We're bringing our stuff. We are making an offering before God next week. Bags full of clothing items. Things that we can give to someone else who has a greater need than we do. And what I think is going to happen for so many of you, you're going to find this is going to be so cleansing for you. And you can get in your closets again. And, and you're, you're going to feel this great sense of I'm doing something to grow the kingdom, you know, to be a part of the g- kingdom that is growing here. And, I'm, I, and so what we're doing is we're partnering with Saginaw Elementary, right next door to us, right in the shadow of our own church right here. We're partnering with them. My wife works there. We kind of have the inside track there. And uh, what we're doing is they have a clothes closet that is available for less fortunate children who can come once a month and and their families can come and pick out clothes that they need for their kids you realize we have some kids that live within these just within minutes of this church that are living in poverty we 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 get that right it's happening and, and and we're going to partner with them. We're going to help them out. It's not only for uh, Saginaw Elementary. It's for other uh, other kids from all over the school district. Come and they can pick this out. But but they're the ones that started this. And we're going to help them. We're gonna we're gonna fill up their their clothes pantry. We're gonna help them with, with this. The other person that we're partnering with in this because we think it's going to take a couple of these for us to be able to do this. Uh, and and uh, and we want to just help more than just children. We're partnering with a pastor. His name's Pastor Trinidad. We've we've partnered partnered with him before when we did our coat drive. Pastor Trinidad is a former uh, gangbanger who is now back on the streets, but he is ministering for Jesus now. And, and he is a pastor down in this area, and he is ministering to the homeless. He brings them in. In fact, I want you to meet Pastor Trinidad. We're going to partner with him. He has a closed closet. Meet him by video, okay? Pastor Trinidad, is, uh, he's feeding the hungry. He's clothing the naked. Sounds like he's doing what Jesus told us to do. And uh, this is frontline ministry. And I think what a great thing for us to partner with people. We've seen his life that has been transformed by Jesus. And now here we get to be involved in that. Now think about this, okay? We're, we're going to pray right now, okay? So you guys can go ahead and start making preparations for that. What if the same kind of zeal and passion that we have and drive to consume things for ourselves? What if that was switched in our lives in some way and instead we have this passion to know God in a deeper way with that same kind of drive? Or to give we have that same kind of passion and zeal. How different would we be on the inside? How different would your family be? If we were teaching our kids generosity from the early on, rather than just it's all about us getting and consuming for ourselves, how different would your marriage be? How different would, you know, your disposition be? Instead of worrying and being anxious about just it's all about me, what if we just trust God to take care of us? And we said, God, we are here to be used to be a blessing. You have blessed us to be a blessing to other people. I'm going to tell you something big would happen in our community. Something big would happen in your family, in our church. Can we just yield to him in that way? Go this week. Go get your stuff. Bring stuff. Next Sunday, you can bring trash bags full of stuff. Next week, we're going to have people that are going to be set up. Our trailer is going to be out front. We're going to bring it as an offering, and then we're going to give it away. And if we keep doing it week after week after week, praise God, we're going to keep living out what we say we believe. Jesus talked about giving to the poor. He talked about it. Let's not just talk. Let's do it. Are you with me this morning on this? Don't you think this could be powerful? Think of the lives that you might get to touch with something that's just been hanging in your closet for how long. It's hard for us to even think about coats right now. I get that, okay? But do you remember how cold it got just earlier this year? Pastor Trinidad said, Bart, when I came and got y'all's coats, he said the year before we had truckloads uh, of coats, we went down, and they go down every saturday and and he he goes down there with these things that people need. He said those coats, a truckload of them were gone in five minutes, five minutes, and they'd just been hanging in our closets. Wow, we get to be a part of something big amen let's pray, thank you, Lord, thank you, Father, for blessing us. We want to live a Full and meaningful life and we know Lord that it comes through serving, it comes through giving through loving, through not being consumed with ourselves but being consumed with you change our hearts Lord so there are some of us this morning we need to repent God we've been consumed with us we've been like Solomon and Lord we've wondered why we're miserable we've wondered why Do I feel this emptiness? Lord, you fill us up when we give, when we serve, when we love. You modeled it for us, Lord Jesus. May we be your ambassadors this week. Lord, over the coming weeks, I pray that we would just be blown away by the things that that people are bringing that we can give to help support these great causes that are right here. Pastor Trinidad's church is... 20 minutes or so from where we're at, and He is on the front lines. The school district is right here in our community. There are children right here, Lord, that You you have called us to minister to. We just want to be obedient, Father. I pray that every person in this church would take this seriously. And Lord, we would see You do something great. We want to bless others, and we know that when we do that, Lord, we will be blessed spiritually, internally. In Jesus' name I pray these things today. Thank You for Your Word, Lord. Amen. We're going to look more specifically in the coming weeks, Lord, at the things that You bring up through Solomon and the ways that that he pursued fulfillment and meaning in his life. We'll look at those things like how we try to find it in money and power and if we can just get this relationship. We see his relationships Were never enough. He needed one more wife. He needed another project. He needed more money. Lord, what I pray for is that we would really, really, honestly look at our lives. What are we trying to find fulfillment in? And that you would show us that if it's anything apart from you, under the sun, it's meaningless. But that You came to give us a meaningful life through Christ. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can call upon Him right now to be your Savior. Call upon Him. Believe on Him in faith. Say, Lord, I trust You. I want You. Save me, Jesus. I believe You paid for my sin. You died for me. I want a meaningful life in You. This morning, if that's you, and you say, Pastor Bart. Would you just pray for me? I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. Would you just lift your hands this morning and say that's me? I'm trusting him as my Savior. Praise the Lord. I see your hand. Are there others? I'm calling upon some of you, you're Christians, and you've been trying to you've been trying to find your fulfillment in everything else. And Solomon's saying, Man, stop it. Go back to Him. Find your peace and your rest in Him. You'd say, Pastor Bart, would you just pray for me? That's me. I, I, I do know the Lord, but man, I so often get off track. I'm off track. Would you just pray for me? Is that you this morning? Would you just lift your hands? I want to pray for you today. Thank you. Thank you for your hands being lifted. Lord, give these who have lifted their hands your wisdom. Thank you for the honesty of this book. It's going to be a great series, Lord, because of you. In Jesus' name, Amen.